Running a pet business is no walk in the park. I've been there, done that, and sure have the campfire stories to prove it. That's why Pet Boss Nation created Camp Pet Boss, where you can relax at a beautiful lake, refuel your leadership confidence with our in-person activities, and reignite your passion for the pet business of your dreams with your pet industry peers and trusted experts. Camp Pet Boss is a one-of-a-kind business retreat that mixes conference learning sessions and camp-like activities for pet professionals and their dogs. When was the last time that you got away from your business, unplugged from the chaos, and reconnected with your inner entrepreneurial spirit? And I hope that you heard me, that your furry best friend could be there too. Get ready for the most amazing and unique in-person adventure for pet business owners and their dogs, happening this summer in Lake Delton, Wisconsin, August 27th through the 30th of 2024. Tickets will sell out, and one building is already booked solid, So I want you to hit pause on this podcast and visit camppetboss.com right now to make sure that you have a room reserved. Your ticket price includes all food, lodging, and seminars. Need another reason to secure your ticket early? How about a massive discount of savings of $850 off your ticket? That's right. Early bird pricing is happening right now, but not for much longer. And I can't wait to hang out with you at camp this summer and share all those juicy pet boss stories around the campfire. Today's guest is one of my absolute favorite people in the pet industry. She's also a fellow Pet Boss Club member, and that's how I've gotten to know her. She shares her best advice on this episode for five different kinds of pet businesses. She also shares her success and how to in running a fifth Saturday sale. And she even opens up about the loss of her husband during the pandemic and how that affected her pet business. I am excited to share my conversation with Danny Edgerton of Paws on Maine and a Place for Paws in Columbiana, Ohio. Welcome to the Boss Your Business Podcast, the show for the local pet business owner. If you have a physical building, carry inventory, have a team, or dream of having one someday, then this podcast is for you. You'll hear honest conversations from pet pros work in the streets of Main Street, where dog business is big business. I'm your show host, Candice Daniolo, the founder of Pet Boss Nation and a pet business coach. I've started, scaled, and sold three successful pet businesses and now help mentor thousands of pet professionals to see success faster together. I'm sharing my favorite business tips with you mixed with the latest secrets of what's working now, especially in this challenging world. So if you're a pet supply store, grooming salon, dog daycare, boarding facility, pet sitter, dog trainer, or really anyone covered in fur, let's get started. Well, Danny Edgerton, it's so fantastic to have you on the Boss Your Business podcast. Welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and talk about the stuff I love. Yes, yes. You have been in the pet industry for just a bit. <laughs> Let's walk down your journey of like, where did it all begin? So about um, 20, 23 years ago, <laughs> yeah. I started a um, doggy daycare and training facility. I started that because I saw one doggy daycare in Toledo and I went to the other two that were in the country at that point that I could find, um, one in California and one in Fairfax, Virginia. 
And I thought, I got to have a doggy daycare. This is great. So that's where I started. I went from just a regular, you know, play all day daycare to very quickly, you know, adding training in because that was what I have been all my life as a trainer. So you saw an opportunity and did it start as um, a place for pause? Is that what it was called? Yes, it started as a place for pause. And within a couple of years, um, I had been a raw feeder for already maybe three years then. And within a couple of years, I thought, well, I have to get raw food in here for people because I can source it, but nobody else can. And so then when I started doing that, I opened a manufacturing plant probably two years after I opened the doggy daycare. And that was to make raw food and treats, and which we still do at this point. So that was pretty early on. Yeah, that's really, really impressive. I love that like hidden piece of your story that you I feel like isn't promoted a lot on your own social media because this food is really for your local community, right? It's very local. We do ship out. We ship out all over the country and to Hawaii sometimes, but it's not, it's much more a matter of we want to get the uh, quality that we love and the product that we really want, which is not something that is complete and balanced where this is part of a do-it-yourself diet. So it's not something for everyone. Got it. And what's the name of the food? That's a place for pause raw. I got it. Okay. A place for pause as well. That's pretty uh, courageous of you. I feel like that you not only invested in a concept that probably what really wasn't very popular 23 years ago, you know, it really wasn't. And then to get into manufacturing food, uh, that again, with raw food that was also not very popular, you know, 20 years ago. I always say we went from, we were, we started vending at dog shows and we went from way back when, when we had to convince people, well, wasn't going to kill their dogs to now we're, you know, now we're arguing the fine points of why you did this over this. It's always amazing to me when I get out there and customer walks in and goes, I want to feed raw. And I'm like, okay, we can talk raw. (laughs) So that's changed a lot. We used to have to convince people that it was not going to kill them and kill their dogs and all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And then you opened a retail supply store too, Pause on Main. Now that was an acquisition of sorts, wasn't it? Yes, definitely. Actually, a sales rep for um, Presidio, which does uh, off-leash treats and uh, cat sushi, she started a store and called me and said, hey, do you want to buy my store? She'd had it for two years. And I go, oh, no, I'm too busy. And then I called her right back and I said, you know, I'm thinking about training. I'm thinking, let me come over and talk. And we bought the store within two weeks. It was, it, that was five years ago. Actually, that was right at the beginning. And then right away, I realized that I probably didn't know anything about retail, even though I'd vended at dog shows for 15 years. So um, I was delighted to find Pet Boss Nation at that point, which really moved things along. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been quite as easy a transition. Yeah, yeah, I think, right. I remember when you first became a member all those years ago that it was it was pretty new for you. And I thought that was an interesting avenue for you to take because I do, I tend to see a lot of times that, you know, dog people who are really into behavior and training kind of want to stay in that lane or even doggy daycare people want to stay in that lane because they don't want to have to worry about inventory. And, and, um, but again, I think we've learned from your history that you are a risk taker, (laughs) like no challenge is too hard for me. 
Oh yeah, which should probably bring me to my last risk, which was last year and still is not perfect. Um, we bought a self-wash grooming business, which was in really rough shape. We added a boutique to it and I still weekly look at the numbers and hope for the best, so to speak. That's been an adventure. We uh, have every, all the other businesses are in Columbiana. It's a, it's a relatively small town, 6,500 people in, in Ohio. And the place that we bought is near Youngstown, which is a very large city, 64,000 in a, in a place called Cornersburg, which is only got about 20,000, but it still is a lot bigger than Columbiana. It is not our clientele yet until we figure out the clientele because we have definitely have opinion about the way people should treat dogs and behave and, and um, interact with, with us as a business. And it's been hard. That's been a rough one. Interesting. And what is the self-wash company called? So that's, that is Dar's Dirty Dogs. We will change it within the year to pause dog pause dog wash. I actually had the, I bought it from the person who owned it and she was grooming. And then after two months, she decided she had to go home and take care of her parents, which was one of the reasons I bought it from her. So we were left groomerless and batherless and everything like that. It was, it's been an interesting transition. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> yeah, not only do you have to deal with that, but you're still running these three other businesses too. So what's interesting, and I, I didn't share this with you initially ahead of time, but I'd love to kind of touch on it just for our listeners is that, you know, because there's so many people right now who are interested in selling their businesses, you know, they've been doing this for a very, very long time and they're just looking at what's next. And so what I love about your story is that these individual businesses approached somebody else in town, like another pet business owner in town to see if acquisition was possible. And so often I think small businesses are afraid to do that because they don't want people to think that they're for sale or that things aren't going well. Can you touch on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, in the first case, it was, it was absolutely that Nicole had decided that retail wasn't for her. She actually owned a wine, opened a winery afterwards. Winery. That sounds pretty fun. And she just, I mean, I was the first person who she spoke to. Uh, it definitely, you know, she had thought it out. She thought about what to say to me, even though I told her no originally, my first reaction. I did, you know, I did go on to go, this makes so much sense, particularly from a training aspect, because we could be training our, therapy dogs and our service dogs downtown. And she had actually said that to me. That's one of the things that she brought up to me. She's a good salesperson. And she said, I think that this will be better than way out in the industrial park where you are with your doggy daycare. The second one was Darlene called me and said, I need help. I don't know what to do. And I don't think I can stay here and do this anymore. And I went up and, you know, I gave her a tons of suggestions and I said, you should you know, you can do this. And I think this would be great. And I can help you with this. And after about an hour and a half of conversation, she said, would you, would you be willing to buy it? So that, that was that. The difference between I can fix these things, but do I want to fix these things? You know. Well, even though I had a plan, it certainly was beyond what she was thinking. And she said, I'd just rather do grooming and just work here. And I said, okay, that's fine. You can do that. So with each of these businesses, you have a 
doggy daycare and boarding facility where you do training classes. That's a place for pause. You have your raw company, a place for pause. You have pause on Maine, a pet retail store, and you have this self-wash that's going to be changing its name to pause dog wash. So four separate businesses. I would love for you to share for each one what it is, like if you could go back and give yourself a tip in running that kind of a business, what (laughs) each of those tips would be. Because our listeners, I know, all have a variety of those businesses or are considering opening one as well. So yeah, I can can definitely do that. With the daycare, well, with all the businesses overall, if I went back 23 years and I said, what would I do? Part of this is attributable to Candace is that I would create systems for everything from the start, no matter whether it looked like I was only going to do that one time. And I would make sure that things stayed up to date and, you know, they kept, that has been something that I've been struggling with for the last couple of years, which we'll talk about when we talk about my husband, but um, it really is, I mean, the daycare, uh, I, you know, looking back, I was starting a whole new business when people didn't know anything and I do not have any boarding. So it is just daycare and training and the training occurs at all the other places as well. So it's sort of spread out as a, as another entity. But with the daycare, I would have, I would have changed much sooner to being an enrichment training-based daycare. We cap at 30 dogs. We have been full for four years through the pandemic. We closed down for two months. That was it. We have never, never had an opening. I mean, never had an opening that didn't fill immediately. Do you, do you um, would you have gone there mainly because of the benefit to the pets or because actually it's just a better revenue model? The benefit to the pets, the benefit to the employees, the revenue model is excellent. We are easily far and away most expensive daycare in our area. And with that, have, I mean, it doesn't even, nobody blinks an eye when we say how much. But I do think that the benefit to my employees, I've always felt like I wanted to have people come in who could move on if they needed to, or who could stay in the business if they needed to, and I've had both. But I always have felt this need to have them get more from me, more information about business, more information about dogs. And so I really feel the training-based model is very beneficial to the employees as well. Besides, it gives them something to do other than watch dogs. So, Okay. And then a tip for your raw food manufacturing company. (laughs) (laughs) Another place where I created the market for myself, and I did that by going to dog shows. That, uh, again, if you're a little bit ahead of the curve, what do they call that? When you're on the beginning of the wave, you, you need to be patient, but know if you know it's going to happen, it will. And that was, that felt like it was a long time. That one, you know, that went through a couple of recessions. So that, you know, we had a little bit of issue there, but knowing that it's the right thing to do and you're doing it well, it'll, that will come through. Yeah. You know, if you're in that innovation stage, the early adapter phase, you have to, I feel like be willing to play the long game because it, especially with food manufacturing, I mean, think about it now with all of the insect protein treats and foods that are coming out, it, it might still seem really weird to pet parents to purchase those things. Right. 
And definitely. Yeah. And so if you, especially manufacturing too, maybe not any, because I do get people who are interested in pursuing that and it takes a lot of time and money and you have to really think about how you're going to get distribute the products out there to the world. And it does, I mean, the models, our model is a little bit different. We do treats, we do raw food and treats, and we do push it very locally, very vet oriented, um, you know, that sort of thing. It's never been, I've never wanted to do it in a major sense, um, you know, to have it out there worldwide. That's not, that wasn't what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Tip number three for yourself and with pause on main, your retail store. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I followed that pretty quickly. Go get help, get somebody, some other people who know what they're doing and follow that guidance. And that's what Pet Boss Nation did for us. A lot of marketing. I mean, we slam marketing out there all the time. We are always doing events. Um, it just, that kind of thing has been what has kept that going no matter what. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting between service-based businesses and retail businesses. It's like, you know, retail businesses can almost never handle too much business, right? You always want people coming through the door and new people coming through. Whereas in the service-based businesses, your space will fill up or your time fills up and then you start building wait lists. <laughs> you know, you can't do anything more with it, but those events, yeah, really help retail. Okay. And then a tip, I mean, you haven't had that self-flush very long, but what's something you've learned along the way? Oh, this one's easy and painful for me to say, um, you know, pay attention like you paid attention to every other number, every other time, pay attention to all the numbers and support it really early rather than walk in and think that what they had for you was all that there would be. Because if we had immediately started out knowing that we needed to push things another way and that we needed to get product in there that would work. Uh, I mean, I just really felt like she had a decent business model. And once I started looking at it, we had to modify things. So I should have gotten on that right away and um, started taking care of that. The other thing is the, um, the events don't work as well there. It's a strip mall. It's in an odd place. And it just is not, you can't do it event oriented in terms of having people come in for group events. So it has to be more sale or promotion oriented. Yeah. It's funny how two different locations can do that. I mean, I experienced that in Chicago. Yeah. My stores were only two and a half miles apart and you could take a train to get to them. And it was still, again, totally different experience. Mystery bags sold like crazy in one location and then nobody wanted to buy them at another. It's nuts. That's true. And training would be the other thing. And I would say that, that the thing that I would say for anybody going into that is you need to think, you need to have enough bodies around you um, to do that comfortably with any other business. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Enough bodies around you? So trainer, I needed other trainers other than myself. I needed somebody who was a training coordinator who keeps everything going. I, I train, I usually train daily but I don't ever know what it, I just look on my calendar and do it. It's not, that can't be a part of my whole headspace. And although I train the trainers continuously, I don't, you know, I don't have anything to do with the running of that part of the business. Right. So that would actually be a great thing for a virtual assistant to help dog trainers with. It's that the booking, the getting contracts signed, taking payment, sending out reminders, things like that. 
I actually have a trainer in-house who does it, but if I didn't, or if she ever decided she just wants to train and not do that, she happens to enjoy it. But I would definitely do a, a VA that we could, you know, we could educate exactly in our way so that they could answer the phone and do it from start to finish. Yeah. Well, going back to events, you have had a very successful event recently, the fifth Saturday sale. Uh, you are in the pet boss club and you shared your success with a recent marketing push you did for that. And before you talk about that, I'd love for you to explain what the fifth Saturday sales actually are and how they work in your business. Okay. So when we, um, anybody who walks in the store, we ask them to join our loyalty program. The loyalty program has a tier that they come in six times and that makes them a VIP customer. Most of the time that happens relatively quickly because of the types of things we have, because we have chew bar and treat bar and things like that. So people are in often. And once they're at that tier, they enter um, our birthday club and they get a fifth Saturday bag, which means every fifth Saturday, there's four of them a year. Um, they, we have a special sale and we give them 15% off anything they can put in their bag, except for dog food. Um, we do all supplements, everything else, but dog food. So yogurt or whatever, you know, that you might consider eatable. It's just the dog food itself that we don't have the margin on. I have full margin on every other supplement and every other uh, add-on, you know, a topper in the store. Um, so we do that. It's been very successful. We have had 10 of them. This would, this would have been our 10th. And it has always been at least double the Saturdays that we had, even the very first one was, was double our, our Saturday average. So that that's been pretty incredible. Yeah. I love this promotion because so you're saying it doubled the Saturday sales the first time, but what's interesting is over the 10 times you've done this, the number of people who've now earned their fifth Saturday bag has grown. So now yeah, you're all your sales are growing, but then also this fifth Saturday sales growing. That's great. And also guys, if so she's using a bag that people can put stuff into and she, she's giving 15% off, but we know some stores will do things like anywhere from all the way up to even 25% I've heard, but it really does depend on your margins and your list and, and what your individual goals are. So for you, this is an exclusive bag. It's given to people who've earned the right to have this bag because they've been frequent shoppers of yours. And so when you market your fifth Saturday sale, you typically only market it to the people who have a bag, right? <laughs> but this last fifth Saturday sale was a little different. Yes. So I normally, when I market, I, we normally start telling anyone who we know has filled cards within two weeks. We just put it in our mind that if they're filling, if they've got one more to go, we ask them, you know, you might want to get another purchase in because we've got a fifth Saturday coming up and this is what it entails. We also send out an email to all of our current VIP customers. And at this point, that figure is like 950 would be our VIP customers at this point. And then this time I decided that I would try texting everyone. I used a test on dars on the dar on the, the self-wash and i sent to all theirs because they're relatively new and they only had like 10 or 15 vip customers at that point so i sent those out and 
all of, and of all of those, about six of them responded. Oh, this is so cool. I can't wait. And everybody else, I mean, nobody, nobody um, unsubscribed. I thought, okay, well, I haven't annoyed anybody too bad. So I, so the very next morning I got up and I, and actually in the middle of this, I did call my um, manager who takes care of all the uh, pulling, putting it in the Excel sheet. And I said, what's this star here? And she explained it to me, but I didn't listen. So the star actually meant only that they were just, a, that she had just checked through and they were a customer, but I thought it meant they were a VIP site. So I just sent it off and I came back an hour later and there were 169 unsubscribes out of what I thought was 950. And I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, I've ruined it. It's awful. And so I went on this program, which is uh, text, simply text. And I was trying to, you know, see if there's any messages because they said you'll get messages back. And I had sent that email, that text message to 3,500 people, <laughs> my whole list. Your whole list. So now you're like, ah, right. <laughs> so I was um, like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I'm like, gather up all the bags we have, find out how many bags we have. And I, and because the text stated, if you don't have a bag, it's for the fifth Saturday. So every time some people don't have their bags. So we give them another one, it doesn't matter. They're the only ones to know about it. So it said, as usual, if you don't have a bag, if you burned it, threw it away, whatever, feel free to just stop in and grab a bag. And that is what many people did. <laughs> so it was a tremendous, um, was a tremendous fifth Saturday sale. <laughs> Um, ridiculously uh, over the top and it turned out to be there were two days in December that had been bigger other than that it was our largest day ever ever and our largest average sale day ever other than those two days this past yeah. September I mean December so marketing accident turned into a pretty darn good thing yep yeah I can't complain I will continue to do the fifth Saturdays as a VIP because People think of them that way, but I will do I will do other sales this way. And I immediately took the text and said, okay, well, I'm not annoying people because I do have that tendency, even though I'm not annoyed by text. I tell everybody to text me. Um, but I we immediately started using the text for when our when our loyalty card is filled up and they're going to get a get a credit. Um, we use it for our birthday club. That's a work in progress because it's still a lot of um, uh, a lot of having to do things by hand sort of on that. It's not as easy to automate. Um, I've done it for one more event. Very, very successful. We had an event in town and we were going to do a charity bar for it. And the event was rained out, but we, we knew it was going to be rained out, but we still had the license to do the bar for the charity. So we just had an impromptu party and sent texts out that we were going to have a party for the charity. And that part that particular one, you know, made that charity in the three days before when we did that, made it, made them $450. Wow. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, I, I still think there's lots more to text and I am a, I'm a big believer that it is at least right now, the way to get people quickly. And yeah. It's a great um, addition to all marketing plans to figuring out what your plan is going to be and how you're going to use it. 
you know, I would love for you to also share about your family. You know, all of these businesses have some other really important people in your life working with you. Yeah, um, I have uh, my entire family works for me, my three children and um, the one, my one daughter in love um, all work at my place. And my, my grandson, who's five, thinks he works there. And he does. He was he was chalking the front street with paws today. So I guess he's <laughs> he does that. Um, Jacob is my oldest and he works at all the places. When I think about the number of employees I have, I don't count him in the employee count, but he is at each place at least once a week working. Um, uh, Serena manages the daycare. She's my youngest daughter. She manages the daycare. She, um, she has great plans for the bakery. So she oversees the bakery. And I believe that her goal probably her three-year goal is to open a bakery that does some wholesale, local wholesale, and mostly retail in another place. And then my daughter Elizabeth is a is a all-breed um, show handler, um, but she grooms for us and she takes care of all of that grooming, self-wash, all of the equipment and things like that. And she's also our major recruiter when we need anybody for that area, since dog shows are a good place to find those workers. And then uh, my husband passed away two years ago, uh, but he was the one who did all of the running around, taking care of things. Um, he was amazing. And that has been a big hole, uh, which I've had some of my other employees, you know, pick up and fill as well as Jacob. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I didn't know Jim personally. I don't think I ever had a chance to meet him. Uh, when he passed, I could just tell through the photos and the stories and the outpour of love that was happening, um, how special he was to the community there and to your family. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like for you? Because I know that we have listeners who are either struggling right now with um, someone in their family or themselves, some health conditions, or maybe they haven't figured out how they're, how they can grieve and still run a business. Yeah, if that is very hard, I am very fortunate to have had, you know, an, an incredibly a supportive group of employees and my own children to help me. Uh, Jim was a retired Navy diver, so he had done almost everything, you know, for us. Oh, was always available to us, told people he, he didn't have a job. He just did what I told him to, which was just fine. Um, and he did die of COVID, so it was, it was a, a little long sort of extended thing. And I was not, I mean, I was not even mentally available during that time period um, that he was in the hospital for almost a month. Uh, and that, and everything ran with very little help. And that was incredible. And um, on the other side of it, I just learned to, you know, say when I needed help, what I need to have done, what I'm not going to be able to get done. And so that was pretty amazing. Um, but the one thing that it did for me is it really got me straightening out all of the business, all of the systems to make sure everything was going to work together well and, um, and the way that it was going to move forward to my children or to be sold. So with, with a couple of exceptions that are still up in the air right now, I made everything transferable upon death um, to them to a trust 
and I organized it so that if we want it, if they want to sell, they can. If I need to sell, we can. It just it it was an incredible eye-opening experience in that way. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's amazing how death and then any other serious, serious illness that does take us away from our work help has us kind of questioning all of those things and um, gets us into action of like what's really important, you know, because life is so fragile. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you for sharing that with us, Danny. Um, I would love to wrap this episode up by really understanding what it means for you and your perspective to boss your business. So I think that that has changed throughout the time. I mean, for a while, it was just, I got to, you know, make enough to be comfortable and have everybody around me. I mean, now I see it much more, and this probably is a factor of Jim's, Jim's passing, much more, uh, I want every single person who's involved in my business to be gaining something from that and to have a, a business that serves all those people, all my employees first and my customers second, but not secondary, just, just that the employees are more important to me at this point. Um, and that I want it to uh, be able to continue beyond me, whether it's with my kids or whether it goes on, you know, to somebody else. I mean, if it's if I can create this, then I I want to see it in a way that it could be moved on to somebody else who would enjoy it and would um, you know be able to benefit other people with it. I really love that mindset that you have, um, that really that employees should leave you better than they you know, kind of came to you. And that, cause that's, I feel like just not a common mindset for a lot of small business owners. And it really can change things for us and our companies when we can mentally make that shift. Absolutely. And when we're having trouble getting employees and keeping employees, and we still do, I still feel like we give enough that I don't, I don't wonder when they leave, whether we did something. I know that that's a factor of the times. It's not about who we are. And I think that that's helpful to me and to my other employees who get left too, if you think about it. (laughs) Somebody comes in for one day and then decides they're not coming back to work anymore. Everybody in my place is going, what do we do? What, what, I mean, I didn't, did I say something to her? And I feel so bad. I feel so bad for them when that happens. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've seen it yet or not, but uh, one of your employees, Mary, has left a comment on one of our social media posts about you. And for our listeners listening to the podcast, we also posted a blog recently about Danny's Fifth Saturday sale experience. And then, of course, we share that we've posted a blog on our social media. And Mary left the comment, I work for Danny, and truth be told, she truly has the Midas touch. Her events bring out everyone. Everybody knows her and the friendship she has with all the other small business owners is amazing. I never worked much in the store, but one Halloween, her and her grandson, Asher, delivered treats to all the small businesses in town. She's just like that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Well, Danny, thank you so much for being here today. It's really been a blessing. You've got so much wisdom that you've shared. And I know this probably isn't going to be the last time that we'll be featuring you here at Pet Boss Nation. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. I really appreciate you asking me and I've enjoyed it. Thank you. 
guys, I'm just so honored that you are tuning into this podcast. And did you know that we've already reached the top 3% of all podcasts across the globe? It's amazing. We're climbing the charts because of our awesome listeners like you. I know there's still pet professionals out there who need to hear all of our doggone good tips shared on this show. Can you help us find them? Now, how you do that is that when you click to follow the podcast, or the more you download different episodes, or if you choose to leave us a review, those things will help the podcast get pushed out into the world so that more people who need to hear this will find it. Thanks so much for your support. And until we talk next week, stay focused, stay motivated, and go boss your business.